0: What up, UA fam? Um, so today's episode is a little different and exciting, and we are so freaking pumped because today we are having a special guest come to the podcast, and he's gonna teach us how to be. Rich and I am <laughs> so freaking excited We're because ready. this is everything I've wanted. We're gonna take all the notes. Yes, so get ready to welcome our guests. And Ash, do you wanna do you wanna tell us? Do you wanna tell us who's coming? <laughs> yeah, guys, uh, we are having Ramit Sethi on the
1: podcast to talk about all things finances. He is a personal finance advisor and New York Times best-selling author of I Will Teach You to Be Rich and is the founder of IWillTeachYouToBeRich.com. He has created a global community of people dedicated to creating their own rich lives and has a new Netflix show coming out tomorrow. So if you're listening to this episode the day it airs, it's tomorrow, April 18th. That His show's coming out. It is called How to Get Rich. It's coming out April 18th. Definitely check it out. He also has a book. I'm planning on getting the book. I'm planning on watching the show. I also highly recommend that you pause this right now and go grab like a pen and paper or your computer, Mm -hmm. something where you can take notes on because he gives such great advice on how to come at and look at money.
0: Also, I will say if you are going to share an episode, it would be this one to any of your friends who, you know, struggle with money, anxiety, struggle with finances in general, it can be such a crippling thing in people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, like, I feel so much freedom after speaking with him today. so So definitely, this is something to share with your peeps. So without further ado, let's get into it.
1: Well, Ramit Welcome to unsolicited advice. We are so excited to have an actual professional. I know <laughs> on our podcast for once. <laughs> I feel like we get like like we we get asked adv- advice about like money and like planning ahead for the future all the time, but we're like not professionals. So we're so excited to have you. Well, on. that makes
2: it even better. What do you tell people when they ask for money advice? <laughs>
0: We're like, you honestly, know. I glance, and if I'm like, this is about money, I'm like, I'm gonna just put this one back in the inbox. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, you know, why don't, find yourself a good CPA. That is my, yeah. that is my,
1: <laughs> that is my tip. I Love it, uh-uh. <laughs> or a good piggy bank, one or the other.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we we kind of shouted out your bio, but we would love to just hear from you. Just you know, give your like bullet point. You know the the you meet someone in a room. How do you introduce yourself? Give us all the deets.
2: Well, I just think money is a lot more fun than most of us. The way most of us think about it, mm-hmm. you know, the way most of us think about it is how we were taught, which is no, 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 no <laughs> lattes, no vacations, no jeans, no nothing. Yes. Until you're 90 years old. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go. Who the hell wants to live like that? Not me. <laughs> so I don't think he, And so you know, for me, my vision of money is to create a rich life. It's to say yes. Yes, I want to buy my friends a round of drinks. Yes, I want to travel. Yes, to the things I love. And so my philosophy started off many years ago when I created this entire thing out of my dorm room. Not and bad. I just, I read all these books on money and I was also studying human psychology
0: okay. and,
2: and um, persuasion and really understanding human behavior. And when you understand that, then you look at this money advice, which is totally restrictive. And totally disempowering. And you go, why would anyone keep a budget? I don't so even true. keep a budget. Yeah. And, and so I think there's a different way to look at money. You know, my philosophy is to spend extravagantly on the things you love, as long as you cut costs mercilessly on the things you don't. And so that's what I'm excited to talk about today.
1: I love that. So cool. Something that um, when 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 I grew up, my parents like really pushed was like being frugal in like every aspect of life. And in many ways, like we had to, money was pretty tight. But I remember when I got my own money and I started learning how to budget um, after I got my first job and learned was learning how to save. It was those little things like a party or a trip or something, something goal oriented for me to like save towards that kind of kept me like excited about saving. Yeah. And it wasn't until I figured that out that I started realizing, oh, like saving can be fun if, if I have something it's going towards or I know what it's going towards.
3: Yeah,
2: saving can be fun and spending can
3: be fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely. <Amen. laughs>
2: and I think, you know, that's the thing. A lot of people, they, they hear some money guys coming on, they go, oh God, he's gonna tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And I don't do that at all. In fact, I always start by asking people, What is your rich life? What do you love to spend money on? In fact, you want to do this little exercise right now together? I would love, let's go. Okay, let's do this. Okay, This is fun and for everybody listening and watching, play along Yes. because this really gets to the heart of a new way to think about money. Okay, so I call these money dials. You're gonna see why in a second. So my first question for both of you is, what do you love to spend money on? Not like, but truly love.
0: Legos. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) What? Legos. Are you serious?
0: No, I'm... Legos.
2: (laughs) Okay, okay. So this is a good test for me because, you know, I try to be very non-judgmental even though personally I hate Legos. I hate them! My dad... You know, my dad's an engineer, of course. My dad's an Indian uh, guy. And he, he... Ever since I was a kid, he would bring home... Lincoln Logs, Legos, etc. You know, you're supposed to teach your kids how to. And I don't have the brain for it. I hate Legos. I hate puzzles. I hate navigation. So I'm so this is a,
0: highly offended right now. I know.
2: I know. This is a great test, though, because your rich life is yours, not mine. True. So true. So the fact that you love Legos is actually awesome. Okay. I wouldn't spend <laughs> a cent on it, but I love that you're like, oh, I love Legos. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So you love Legos, mm-hmm. and w- what else was there? Another one?
0: I would say. Legos and then just experiences, whether that's like going to a show, traveling, a fancy place, like just like going out and experiencing in like freedom. Okay, but let's sense. let's be
2: more specific. Okay, so okay. Travel, travel is one thing. Is it
0: travel? Yeah, I'll do t- Legos and travel.
2: Okay. Yeah. Legos. Okay. I'm still stuck on this. Don't, don't okay. you dare. Legos and travel. Fantastic. <laughs> now, I call it a money dial because you can turn those dials up or down. Mm. So my next question for everybody. Well, actually, let's stick with this for a second. The most common money dials people give are number one is eating out, number two is uh, travel, very common. Number three is health or health and wellness, uh, and number four is convenience. Uh, I've never heard Legos. I love it though. Uh, love slash hate. Um, so that's fantastic. This is this is
1: right on track. Yeah. What's yours, Ash? I would probably go travel, and I, I yeah. All my money goes towards travel. And then like on a day-to-day basis, I spend a lot of money at my gym, but I love my gym and it's become perfect. like my daily routine and I find it very therapeutic. So it's worth it to me.
2: Love it. No need to defend yourself. Yeah. yeah. I love it.
0: Well, um, yeah. you Notice made how we me, do that, right? You, you kind of made we me feel defend the need myself. To defend
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> you kind of like made me defend okay, myself. <laughs> so
2: we got travel and we got health and wellness. Yeah. Both very common. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Here's my second question for you. If you could quadruple your spend on those things, what would it look like and what would it feel like for you? On both things? Pick one, the one that's most important for you.
1: Um, I feel like travel would be the most important. Where for like fitness or like the gym, I can always go to like a less expensive gym or work out from home if I had to.
2: Wait, why are we minimizing our dreams right now? That's very true. We're talking Damn, about maximum. You're
1: I love that. Yeah. Dial is turning towards We're going travel. Going okay. <laughs> turn it up. Yeah.
2: That's a lifetime of frugality right there.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't actually need it. I could be caught <economy.
2: laughs> We don't want that. Come on. Asia. That's so true. All he right. Turn it up mail. for me. Quadruple it. What would it look and feel like?
1: Um, I would love to have a trip planned for like every season. Um, yes. I would love to, um, I don't know, be able to bring friends with me, friends, family with me. Yes. And not just me or uh, maybe even if we're going to go more work focus with that, like working with said travel brand or creating content with involving travel. That would be like my absolute dream.
2: Okay, love it. So let let me reflect on what I just heard. I heard more frequency. Mm You go once a quarter. I love that. Uh, You might involve some work, work with some uh, brands. That's great. And then I heard who you would take with you. Yeah, that's beautiful friends family loved ones yeah okay awesome would you go to the same places
1: um i personally would love to go to places i haven't been i just recently went to africa and it was such an incredible thing this was my first time so i would love more of that where i have repeated other trips in the past mm. and it was fun okay. but like the the high of like a new place was just incredible
2: it's a beautiful vision isn't it and mm. i like seeing the smile and the energy this is to me what money is really about yeah and when we start with what we love, and what would it look like to actually turn up that dial, then you know suddenly we start to have a vision for where we want to spend more on. And as I said, I want to spend extravagantly on the things I love, as long as I cut cost mercilessly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Oh. We heard I love about that.
2: we heard about travel.
0: Let's uh, <laughs> Taryn, what <Yes>. about you? <laughs> so um, I'll do, I'll do Legos because we already okay. talked travel. Cool. Um Okay, so for me, I think. Like, Legos is such an expensive hobby, so I feel like I have to, like, spread out the sets I buy, because the ones that I like buying are the ones that challenge me, so... Wait, can you preface? I feel like a lot of people don't see
1: Legos as an expensive hobby, so maybe you should give an example of, like, one of your, like, nicer pieces.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Like, well, my most expensive one was, like, $900 for, like, the like a Star Wars set, cool. um, but there's so many big ones that I would love to build... And not have to just like wait or like sacrifice, like, oh, I can only buy one, so what am I gonna buy? But if I'm if I'm going up to four, okay. I'm going up <laughs> to four, I would get a bigger place so I could have a room that I could display them all. And I would travel to freaking where LEGO was and explore that go. world and just maybe start collecting like vintage minifigures. I would go all out, like all <laughs> out. <laughs>
2: Okay, Taryn, that is so cool. I actually love your example of Legos now because it's an object. And I think a lot of us are shamed for liking things. Yeah. In fact, there's even phrases in the personal finance world. Experiences, not things. Mm -hmm. Listen, I love experiences, but I also love a beautiful sweater. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay if you love a handbag or you love Legos or a sweater. Also fantastic. What I love about your example was you turn you really thought multidimensionally. it wasn't just i'm gonna buy more legos it was i want a space for it the type of Lego i'm gonna go back in time get those vintage ones and then i'm gonna go to lego hq and go behind the scenes <laughs> yeah. i mean okay you two are operating at a very advanced level <laughs> <Okay. Amazing. laughs> for everybody listening the most common responses to these like for eating out the most common response people goes Um, Well, you know, I I probably have to watch what I eat because I'd be eating out four times a week. Ha ha ha. And I go, oh, God, it's so (laughs) linear to think like, oh, if I'm going to quadruple my spend, I'm just going to do more of the exact same thing. Mm. It's like, are you still going to be eating at Chipotle if that becomes your number one money dial? Mm. And more importantly, I love this first response of like, who are you going to take with you? Mm -hmm. Because at the beginning level of personal finance, the entry, level, it's always what? What do I get? Uh, can I afford this car? Can I afford this rent, this Legos, et cetera? That's cool. But at the highest level, it's always about who. Mm-hmm. Who do I get to bring with me? Who do I get to be more generous with? So I think this exercise actually has been amazing because we really explored all the different dimensions of how big you can think with your money. Yeah. And for me, this is a beautiful place to start.
1: That's a great place to start. Um, would love to know, have you always been good with money or is this something that kind of came to you later on in life or something that you were taught?
2: Uh, I was taught. Uh, my dad helped me open up a custodial IRA when I was like 14 years old. So um, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, we we grew up very frugal. My parents are immigrants. We had a pretty big family. And so for me, I was observing things like we only ate out basically every four to six weeks when we had a coupon. Yeah. And of course we never, ever ordered appetizers. Like it was just not even <laughs> Or sodas or drinks. Yeah. You yeah, get never. water. We'd get, we'd get like two for six of us. Yeah. right. And, and, like, and so, but like, I didn't know any different. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was totally cool. We had a, a great childhood. When I went to college, uh, when I was applying, my parents, flat out told me like, of course you're going to college, you're Indian, but we don't have any money saved up. So you better find some scholarships. They just point blank told me that. Yeah. And I like systems. I like setting things up once so that it, I don't have to work later. Yeah. And, and that's reflected in how I talk about money. Like I don't keep a budget, I have a system. Yeah. And so I built a system to apply to a bunch of scholarships, about 65 ended up paying my way through undergrad and grad school Congrats. and that's where I originally learned about money because I took some of my scholarship money and invested it and lost half of it and so that got me interested but I will say um, all that stuff is good I was pretty overbearing with money mm. I think you know when you get good at something like for example Anybody who's in CrossFit, you know, the first year, they're just unbearable.
3: Yeah. Oh, it's all they or they're talk in about. keto. <laughs> yeah, That's it's so just true. like,
2: please shut up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get it. You love keto. Fine. That's how I was. I yeah. was like, you really got to
3: start compound interest. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. so important. <laughs> yeah. and
2: I'm like, yeah. trust me, uh-huh. if people don't want to hear about keto, they want to hear about Roth IRAs even yeah. less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it took me a long time to become less judgmental and to realize like your rich life is very different than mine. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. In fact, that's a good thing because your rich life should fit you like a handmade glove and mine should do the same for me. So I had to work on that and I still have to work on that actively every single day.
1: Question. In your opinion, is there, can you name one thing that specifically um, most people struggle with when it comes to money and budgeting and and living that rich life.
0: Not budgeting, Ash, we Not don't budgeting. budget.
2: <laughs> well, we're gonna talk about that. I know, I know this is a very interesting verbal tell right there. Yeah. The idea that budgeting has to be part of money. No, it doesn't. In fact, that's what keeps people from managing their money because they think, oh my God, I have to track this spreadsheet for the rest of my life. No, thanks, I yeah, don't wanna do that. Me. <laughs> so we, let's talk about that, but um, I think a couple things keep people from really engaging with money. First of all, let's be honest. You don't actually have to do it today. It's like flossing. Yeah, everybody tells you you should. And you have that little thing sitting at the bottom of your drawer. But really, what's the harm that's going to happen if you don't do it today? Nothing. Yeah. Like, if you're not automatically investing and you don't know your fixed cost percentage, honestly, your life is still going to be probably pretty fine. You're going to have a roof over your head. You're going to have Netflix.
1: Life is going to be okay. You can eat Chipotle.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can even get the guac. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I'm not okay with an okay life. Mm-hmm. I want a rich life. And for me, a rich life is, you know, traveling for months every year. I love hotels. So I love amazing hotels and those experiences.
1: Yeah. I scrolled through uh, your Instagram and I saw uh, yeah. the hotel post. Yeah. <laughs> I get yeah, that. I mean, I, I relate it. to that. And, totally. And, so, and, and then, you know, my rich life is also
2: not about certain things. But there are a lot of things I just don't care about that people are bewildered at. And that's also, it's not part of my rich life. So mm-hmm. I'm not okay with just saying, I'm gonna try to save every month and I'm gonna hope that things work out okay for me. Uh-uh. I'm gonna mm-hmm. engineer success as much as I can by setting up a few systems that I set up once and then I benefit for the rest of my life. Mm,
0: so awesome. Super exciting. So you have a book and a new show coming out on Netflix. Subtle flex right there. Yeah. Um, So tell us about that process and and just the process, too, of, you know, creating this for yourself. Then you decide, okay, I want to share this with people. And then how it spiraled into this, because I just saw the trailer. I totally cried at the part where the guy (laughs) broke down and he was like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to get out of this, because I think unless you've struggled with financial anxiety and stress and shame, it's hard to understand that place. And it is, you can literally feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make it to like next week. Yeah. So like, and you felt that from that just tiny clip. So I, it made me very excited to see it. So
2: thank you. Thank you for saying that. And I would encourage everyone to go, go on Netflix right now. You can add, uh, it, it comes out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So you can search for how to get rich. And I think you're going to see a very different approach to money. You know, most of us, again, when we think about money, we think about boring spreadsheets and we think about restriction. And you can tell, just the way I talk, it's not about that. Mm -hmm. It's about understanding what's your rich life, what do you love unapologetically, and then what happened as you grew up? What invisible scripts did you absorb about money? Like family saying, we can't afford it, Mm -hmm. or we don't talk about money in this family. And what do you still carry with you? You know, some of us find it impossible to pay for something in the mini bar of a hotel. Maybe you can even afford it, but you just go, we never do that, that's not for people like us. Uh, Some people find it impossible to buy something Mm guilt-free, even though they may have money in the bank. And then other people, are they have debt, and they have no idea when that debt will be paid off. Yeah. And you could feel that in your chest. Mm. When you have that debt, you have a problem, you wake up every day, it's the first thing you think of. But for me, when I see these kind of, challenges with money either i don't have enough i have no idea how to get out of this debt or i have money but i don't know what i'm doing with it Mm -hmm. i feel guilty to me i see the puzzle and i see the path forward and so for me that's been the greatest gift to be able to show people hey we can do this together and it actually can be a lot of fun Mm -hmm. to take control of your money and live a rich life
1: yeah. Ramit, something that you said that really struck me was you said um, the things that we like are, to- are told by our family when we're young that we carry through with us. And I think it's fascinating because even at times in my life over the years when, when I have had a little extra money here and there and I have wanted to splurge on like a Prada bag. I'm actually thinking of a specific instance. Um, the entire time I felt so guilty because mm-hmm. I felt like this wasn't a need. Like it, it, didn't, it didn't fall under the need category, even though I do love shopping and I do love fashion. So it was like this yeah, insane guilt that I felt as I was handing my credit card over to pay for the bag. It was so weird. Yeah.
2: It's, it's so common. And I, I wanna talk about it because I bet you everybody listening has felt guilty mm-hmm. about something money related. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and by the way, it's totally uncorrelated with how much you've got in the bank. In fact, your feelings about money are completely uncor- highly uncorrelated with how much money you've gotten. Mm-hmm. So I have this podcast, I speak to couples, and they come on, and I insist that they reveal every number. So you hear real couples, real numbers from behind the Oh, closer. interesting. Like, imagine listening to a couple with, uh, who's complaining about um, the price of blueberries, and they drive an extra four miles to save 10 cents on gas, and then I ask them their net worth, and it's $8 million. Jeez. Okay? You've never heard a cu- a real couple talk like that. never. You only hear it in the movies. Yeah. But you've never heard them like how does somebody with eight million dollars talk about money versus somebody with eight hundred thousand dollars of
3: debt? Yeah. And I
2: bring them all on different ages, different sexual orientations, geography, everything. Uh, what you discover is that we all believe that someday, at some number, I'm finally gonna feel. good. Oh my gosh! Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And. By the way, okay, so what's the number for you that you have believed you'll finally be able to relax? Can you share it?
1: Yeah, I feel like in my head, just being a quote millionaire, whether that's like, the word millionaire is for whatever reason, like what went off in my head when you said that, whether it's like $1 million or $5 million or whatever, just the millionaire word sounds safe. Sounds like I can do whatever I want. Say, oh,
2: say, did everybody catch that? Yeah. safe. 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 Yeah, yeah. Like, and, I don't Tell have me, problems. what does safe
1: mean to you? Safe means I don't have debt. I don't have um, any kind of like financial burden. Um, I can pay for those trips. I can pay for an emergency or an accident if it comes up. Like it just feels secure and safe to me the word millionaire does
2: everybody notice this description it's 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 totally accurate for you Mm. i i respect it i have no constructive feedback but i just want to point out that word you said feels
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: it feels safe so much of money is about a feeling yeah and yet we deny that money is emotional Half the people who come on my show, they're crying within 15 minutes. And yeah. then, you know, I say, what would it look like to have a healthy relationship with money? And you know what they say to me? They go, I want to be less emotional with money. I go, what? Yeah. You want to be less <laughs> emotional? You are all emotions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- instead, why don't we f- reframe it to say, I want to be able to manage my emotions in a healthy way because money is emotional. It's mm-hmm. never going to be unemotional. And I want to build the competence of knowing about the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, it's cool to feel safe. I want you to feel safe. I can guarantee that when you have a million dollars, you're not going to feel safe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you because it's just a feeling. And that feeling does not change with the amount in your bank. You got to also work on understanding things like compound interest. For example, you should be able to know when I have a million dollars, how long until that turns into two million? Well, about seven years because of the rule of 72. We could talk about it. How much can I withdraw without depleting my principal and live forever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These are basic financial fluency things that we can all learn in about a month where you can watch the netflix show and suddenly you can both become stronger emotionally and you can feel safe and mm-hmm. feel good and feel unapologetic about the things you love and you're building your confidence through competence mm-hmm. yeah that's how i love to handle money
1: yeah so to reiterate you're saying the like knowing the numbers inside and out and knowing how it works and when to expect that growth and stuff will take away the fear of
0: because it's, money. it's a puzzle to be solved. You said earlier, I like that where you look at it. Cause we even in our podcast, even when we look at people sending in just life messy situations yeah. we've talked about before. That's my mind works very like, I don't see it as something I stress about. I see it as a puzzle. I'm like, okay, mm. so like, what do we got to do to move forward? Like, what do we have to fix? And it kind of takes out the feeling of being overwhelmed and, oh my gosh, there's a conflict arising. It's like, no, like, let's figure it out. Like, what's next? So I like that you said that about money because it is true. It's, it's nuts because all this stuff you're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, everything makes sense because my feeling I would want, it's not a number either. It's a feeling. And it's that I don't have any kind of, like a debt. And then also that net, I, I'm very Nicki Minaj lifestyle, like who even looks at the price tag. Right. And then also like anything that came up, I wouldn't have to question or anything. I'd just be like, Oh, okay, here, you know, cause before it's like my dog gets sick and I'm instantly nauseous and stressed. Cause, and looking at my bank and trying to count out, like, can I afford to like get this shot and this X-ray and whatever. And it's just that that flow of anxiety that comes up when an unexpected expense comes. So like to me, the goal would be like, I don't have to stress about it. Like I know I have like enough of a cushion, but again, that's all based on like a feeling and it's a security and safety and lack of anxiety.
2: (laughs) When when my wife and I were engaged, um, we were talking about money and we had, you know, pretty serious conversations. We're talking about a prenup and we, it started off pretty well. Like we were talking, we were discussing it, and then it got really hard. Mm-hmm. And it was especially well, it was challenging for both of us, but you know, I'm like the money guy. So I was like, oh my God, if it's this hard for us, how hard must it be for other people? Yeah. And at a certain point, she said, we should go see a therapist because this is like, we need to find a different way to communicate. So we, we went to find a therapist. By the way, the way we found it, we, we literally went on Yelp and we searched therapist near us and then <laughs> we just went to the first one yeah <laughs> and, and actually she was great so she um she asked us a bunch of questions and one of them i still remember was so good she goes how do you think about money what does it mean to you and she pointed at me and i had to answer and i was like growth like it's so obvious in my head i could see the numbers floating in in front of me you know doubling my investment da 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 and then she turns to my wife now wife. And she said, what does it mean to you? And my wife said safety. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her like, like it was so hard for me to understand that word mm-hmm. because it would be the equivalent of saying like butcher. That's what money, like it just had no correlation at yeah. all. Safety. What? And so that was such a amazing point for us to connect on because we realized we've seen it completely differently. Yeah. So a lot of people see money from the perspective of safety. And i get that so it actually explains why a lot of people for example they go i hate debt people who feel safety hate debt even irrationally mathematically irrationally so they will pay off a low interest loan even though technically they shouldn't Mm
3: -hmm. but it all
2: makes sense because emotionally they hate debt. it makes them feel unsafe yeah that's one thing and then uh, another thing is that a lot of times people who feel safety or they want safety they will describe their rich life in terms of things they won't feel, mm. and I don't know if you both caught that. you mentioned that I won't feel anxiety, I won't worry. And all of those are great, but that's a pretty empty vision. yeah. Mm. like your vision can't be what you won't feel, yeah right. It's also got to be exciting and mm-hmm. motivating. And I think that's where we come back to those money dials and it's it's like, I'm going to be able to take my a, a friend who couldn't afford it once a quarter on a trip with me. So we've gotta work through these anxieties and we can't simply say, oh, it's gonna be the absence of something because that's not motivating. It's gotta be something we want and we're gonna get.
0: Yeah, it's interesting too, because I feel like with money, I'm always thinking about like, okay, well, how do I, someday I'm magically just going to get this amount of money through some experience and then it'll pay off my debt. And then I can finally be like clean slate and move forward. But like in everything you're talking about, it's like, okay, what are things I can shift, educate myself on, learn the game, play the game to then grow. Like what I already have at my place I'm at now to be able to grow into a lifestyle, my rich lifestyle. Right? So It's it's so interesting because I think that's always been my mindset is kind of looking for (laughs) where am I going to get it from? And I but yeah, I've never taken the time to invest and learn about interest rates and this and this. I because I just have been so like uneducated in that area. So it's interesting because then I feel like even just that principle should make people feel Like, oh, I can start now, like with what I have, I don't have to wait till I'm at
2: a certain level. Mm -hmm. Totally, a a lot of people, I'm so glad you say that. You know what, you deserve to be in control of your money. Mm -hmm. And you deserve to have your money working for you. Mm -hmm. That's not only for wealthy multimillionaires and billionaires, you deserve it.
0: Yeah. And everybody
2: listening, you deserve it. And you don't have to wait to have a bunch of money to invest, it's actually the opposite the way you accumulate a bunch of money is by investing. Mm -hmm. Even if you're starting off in your 20s, even if you're starting off with 50 bucks a month, or even if you're just paying off debt, that's a great start. And of course, as you continue, that money actually compounds and it grows faster than you can imagine. So I'll give you um, one example, which is, it's simple, but it's so mind blowing. I had a reader of mine and she set up an automatic savings account, not even investments, just automatic savings. And it was, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks a month or so. And she set it up so that every month from her paycheck it was deducted and never saw the money, it just went away. And she forgot about the account. Ten years later, she was doing an audit. And she found this account she totally forgot about. She logged in and there was something like $12,000 in the account. Mm. And she was like, what the hell? I f- yeah. <laughs> it's like finding a $20 bill in your pocket. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is actually <laughs> possible. And that's just a savings account mm-hmm. with investments. Your money actually can grow way, way faster.
1: So, I would love to continue this conversation. I would love to talk more about like tangible tips that like our audience listeners um, could do specifically. Um, I would love to talk about like people who maybe come from a lower socioeconomic class who had maybe that family who was like we're, we're gonna focus on frugality, you only get tap water when we go out, like that kind of thing. we talking about
2: my family right now <laughs> yeah, I was like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, what is like what would you tell them to do as like the first tangible step towards towards uh, that rich life that you keep talking about?
2: The most important thing I would say would be to understand. Four numbers in your finances. That's okay. all you need to understand to start. Let's go through them real quick. Yeah, Pull everyone, grab your paper. Ba- no, no, yeah, like, grab it. Let's do this. Opens. You don't need to track. Trust me, you do not need a budget, and you do definitely do not need to be tracking the price of broccoli. If you're yeah, doing yeah. that, you took a wrong turn in life. So <laughs> yeah. Delete that budget. Yeah. Okay. There's four numbers you need to track on a. Just uh, these are the numbers. The first one is called fixed costs. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fixed costs include your rent or mortgage, your utilities, car payment, any debt payment, subscriptions, the things that are fixed that you pay every single month. Okay, mm-hmm. And all of those together should represent 50 to 60% of your take home pay. That's the money you actually take home after taxes. Mm-hmm. Okay, 50 to 60%. The next category is your investments. How, what percentage of your take home pay are you investing? Now, under this, 401k counts, Roth IRA counts. If you have an HSA and you're investing that, most people are not, but you can, that counts. That should be roughly 5 to 10% of take-home. Obviously, the more, the better. You're going to make way more money. Next category, number three, is savings. Savings is money that you need in the next one to five years. Could be for a down payment, a new car, uh, even a vacation. That should be roughly 5 to 10%. And then finally, my favorite category guilt free spending. You wanna buy Legos. I like that one. You wanna travel. <laughs> yeah. You wanna get a personal trainer. God bless. <laughs> yeah. 20 to 35% of take home. Okay. Now, once you know these four numbers, and you can do these in 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you can sketch them out. You don't even need to be that accurate. Get 85% of the way there. That's good enough. Mm-hmm. You're gonna realize some crazy shit you're going to be like, whoa. First of mm-hmm. all, I never looked at my numbers like this because yeah. most people don't think in terms of percentages, which is much more sophisticated. Mm-hmm. They, they just go, oh my God, I spent $13 on lunch. Like, I never, mm-hmm. ever think about lunch in terms of dollar amounts. It's always percentages. Okay, so number one is to shift your thinking to thinking about these categories by percentage because as you make more, you're, you can actually spend more mm-hmm. and save more. So that's number one. Two, a lot of people are going to realize that their fixed costs are way too high. And that is where people get in trouble. Trust me, some couple comes to me, they're crying. Oh, Ramit, we spend too much eating out. I go, okay, let me look at your grocery bill, which is like my personal health. So I'm sitting there looking at their Safeway receipts. I go, what? A, well, I took a wrong turn in life. After yeah. that. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking at their things, And like, honestly, it does not matter. Your groceries are definitely not what's keeping you in financial trouble. It's not your coffee 3 to $5 a day means nothing in the grand scheme. Who cares? It's almost always two expenses. Number one, housing, and number two, cars. Mm-hmm. So I get some dude who's bought a $75,000 truck, and he goes bro I need the truck I go really you need this truck tell me why he goes I drive I drive a lot I go you drive 2.3 miles on flat yeah. concrete road <laughs> and you don't even understand what TCO or total cost of ownership means <laughs> anyway what, I don't even want to get into truck thing. I'm going to get too mad people <laughs> overspend on housing because it's really expensive right now mm-hmm. and they overspend on cars because they only look at the monthly payment yeah. those are your two biggest opportunities okay and honestly if you get those right if you know your numbers, which we can talk about, and you underspend on those, you're going to have so much more flexibility to save more, to mm. invest more, mm. to spend more on the things you love.
1: Oh, I love that. That's a great so first step. Yeah, I love the
2: I'm literally. I'm going to go home, and
1: that's what exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> write everything down. Takes ten minutes. Yeah, literally keep so it simple. Excited.
2: Yeah, yeah, super simple, and then it just gives you like a scorecard. You're like, okay, yeah. how am I doing? And hey, not everybody's perfect. You're gonna look at it. Some stuff's gonna be unweighted. A lot of people listening are gonna be like, what's this guy talking about? I have $0 going to investments every month. Yeah. Fine, at least you know it. Yeah. Now we can redirect it like a puzzle. Yeah. yeah. And just like Tetris, we can move things around and put some money in investments. And you know, ooh, I should be kind of targeting 5 to 10%. Dang, can't get 5% this year. I just don't have the money. Let me do 4% and I will set up a calendar reminder to increase it by 1% every single year.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I love that.
0: As far as, like, investments, I feel like that word has always scared me because I'm, like, how do you know which way to go? Like, how do you know, like, what's – like, I feel like there's always going to be some, like, small print that I'm, like, stressed yeah. out. So I think I've never even thought to, like, look down that. Like, obviously, I've stuff through my job that I'm, I have, like, parts of my paycheck that go towards different things. Mm-hmm. But – um I would love to just hear like for someone who's like investments for dummies, like what are what are some of your top like starting tips?
2: Okay, so I'm so glad you said that because a lot of phrases that people hear over time, they think investing feels like gambling. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's what keeps them from starting. Yeah, um, They believe that to invest, they need to sit in, in the dark in all these screens with all these PE ratios running down the screen and like somehow figure it out. Mm-hmm. Can I just tell you, I spend less than one hour per month on all of my money, all of it. Uh, you do My money, especially my investments, are completely automatic. Mm-hmm. So I set a rule, it happens automatically. I do not care what's happening in the news or the interest rates, it's irrelevant. And this is the actual way that sophisticated investors do it. Okay. They do not pick stocks, okay? Let me say that again, because we've heard it so, they do not pick stocks. They do not care what's going on in the news. They have a plan and they just run the plan. Just like fitness, doesn't matter if it's raining or not, you're going to go train.
1: Mm-hmm. That's trust it. the process. So,
2: trust the process, and you will see the rewards over time. Let me get specific. Here's what I tell my family, okay? When they're like, how should I? Well, first of all, I'm like, have you not read my book? Yeah.
1: What the hell are we talking about right now? Yeah. Chapter seven. First things okay. first, read the book, <laughs> then come to me with questions. Find the, yeah. Exactly.
2: Um, that's what I told my wife when we, were, when we were dating. She was like, she had some 401k question or something. And I was like, yeah, I'll totally help you out. And then I turned around and I fucking gave her the book. I was like, read this thing first. Yeah. <laughs> Feels so good. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, for investments, here's what I tell my family. My favorite type of investment is something called a target date fund. It's one fund, that's it, one fund. And all the way you choose it is based on the year that you are going to be 65. So if you're gonna be 65 in let's say 2050 or or whatever the year is, there's a fund called Vanguard 2050 or Fidelity 2050. And a target date fund, let me explain what it is, it's one fund that automatically buys a whole bunch of stocks, And depending on your age, some bonds. And it's just like a pie chart, okay? It owns all these diversified companies. And as you get older, you just keep investing in it. And it automatically becomes a little bit more conservative, okay? Because somebody who's 20 is going to be a little bit more risky than granny who's 78 years Mm -hmm. old and needs to be more conservative. Well, guess what? You don't need to worry about any of that. You have one fund and you pick it and all you do is automatically set money to go from your paycheck into this account every single month for the next forever, Mm -hmm. okay? And as you make more money, it's a percentage, so you just increase that number. You will not believe how much your simple investment will turn into. We can actually calculate it if you wanna do it, but the point is, it's so simple. It almost is so simple that people go, I don't believe it. Yeah. What about whole life insurance? Whole life insurance is a Scam. okay yeah. if you see these guys yeah. on tiktok with their whiteboard you're yeah. getting scammed yeah uh, what about picking stocks based on interest rates you're gonna lose i have all the <laughs> research in chapter six of my book it's actually so simple that people don't believe it mm-hmm. which is the irony when you get good at any part of life like legos fitness whatever and people ask you for tips and you tell them like here's the actual truth mm-hmm. it's actually really simple it just takes consistency
3: they're like yeah but what's the trick
0: yeah yeah, yeah. Trick. yeah no they want to know yeah like where do i sign what do i click what do i like it's very they want a systematic approach yeah well, um, well that's why
2: i wrote my book but they sometimes they don't even believe that it can be that simple they mm-hmm. think they need some um, new york style uh fanciful wealth manager knowledge and you know what the research actually shows that 80 percent of professional fund managers fail to beat the market and guess what? Ordinary people like you and me can actually buy the market directly. So mm-hmm. that means you can actually outperform Wall Street.
0: Crazy. And oh. all you have to
2: do is a simple, low-cost fund.
0: That's super interesting. You heard it wow. here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a percentage because <laughs> for bringing you. Should we get all into some emails? Knowledge, yeah. So um, I know you did your research on us, but so what we do is we usually read an email from someone. Um, and we reached out to our listeners and just said, hey, like, if you have any money situations, we have the the master coming. So um, we have a couple just short stories that we would love you just to approach um, what your advice would be for them. Let's do it. Sweet. So the first one is titled Finances and FOMO. <laughs> Love my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good title. Yeah, yeah that's right. A
0: great title. <laughs> okay. Here's my situation I'm 21. I just graduated college and am moving to my first apartment in New York City in August. I have a good job lined up and I'm excited to start my career. However, lots of things about post grad life scare me, especially that of finances and FOMO. Rent is not cheap, especially in New York City, and on top of that, I have to pay off my student loans, pay for health insurance, transportations, etc. I worry that I won't have the money to go out with friends, have fun weekend plans, or save up for some kind of vacation or new wardrobe piece, let alone the occasional Starbucks coffee. I know I'm fortunate to even have a job and to be able to pay for basic necessities, but I can't shake the feeling of nervousness that I'll be missing out on the fun parts of life because I can't afford them. I worry that I'll feel FOMO by turning down these opportunities or even worse, feel lonely or flat out miserable. So here's my question I need advice on. How can I ball on a budget <laughs> to ensure I still enjoy myself as I enter the real world? Is figuring this out just a normal part of entering adulthood? And if so, how can I best navigate it? Thank you for reading the email. I hope it f- helps others who might feel similarly to me when you read it on the podcast. Love, Anonymous. I kind of love this question. Yeah. yeah
2: like we've all gone through some form of this. She's happening. Is it a she or he? Yeah,
0: yes. Uh, Well, it's anonymous, but yeah, it's a she.
2: Okay, so she's going to do it in New York, which is very expensive, Mm -hmm. very fast paced. I know I lived there for a long time. And I want to start by um, uh, recalling this. uh, When I got engaged, I asked a lot of friends for their advice. Mm -hmm. And I said, what advice do you have as a married person? Like, what do I need to know? And I got a lot of advice. And y- have you all heard, you know, people going, oh, that year we were engaged. It was so tough. We mm-hmm. weren't sure we were going to make it. Yes, yes, and yes. I just hate that. Yeah. The idea that like it's such a burden to plan a wedding Yeah. with, you know, your life partner. And I remember uh, my brother-in-law, he said to me, this is going to be the best year of your life. Mm-hmm. You get to create something together. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, I love and that. And I heard that and instantly I said like, that's it. I choose that. Yeah. Yes. And we did, we had the best year doing it together. Yeah. So Anonymous, you can choose that this next few years in New York is going to be amazing. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Sure, it might be hard. Sure, it might be lonely at first. When I moved to New York, it was lonely. I didn't know too many people. And sure, you might have FOMO, but that's totally normal. Mm -hmm. That's actually the point, is to experience some of these adversities and tough decisions so that you come to know who you are. Yeah. From a financial perspective, a couple of things I want to point out to you. Um, She mentioned a lot of like Starbucks and vacations and all that stuff. First of all, great. We all have seasons of life. When I was in my 20s, I wanted to go out with my friends, Taco Tuesday, like, and that was awesome. Mm -hmm. So I'm all for that. I think you should prioritize that. Uh, I did not hear anything about Saving, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: investing, or even really targeting a higher salary. And I want to mention to her, just like I said earlier, you deserve to be investing and you deserve to have your money work for you. Mm -hmm. This writer deserves to be earning more money.
0: Yeah, If
2: she puts her mind to it, it gets lucky and does the work, all three Mm -hmm. of those things. So what I would dream for her, my wish for her would be you, you know, you go out with your friends, you're going to get creative with cheap bars and free places that have food that I have no doubt. You're going to figure that out.
1: Happy hours. But my, yeah. Yeah, my,
2: yeah, exactly. My wish for her would be for her to say, you know what? I also want to increase my income. Mm-hmm. So as I'm out and as I'm meeting all these people, I'm going to be talking to people like, oh, how much do you make? how did you get that job? What industry are you in? Where'd you switch from? Like, mm-hmm. if I want to make more, what should I do? Be alert to that because life cannot only be about getting Starbucks. Yeah. That's such a dim dream. Uh, get the Starbucks, but also get a $15,000 raise.
0: Yeah. And yeah. then,
2: secondly, my final wish would be for this person to say, I'm going to figure out a way to invest at least 5% of my money. Mm-hmm. If she does that, starting at 21, she will be a multimillionaire. Wow. That is my wish for
0: her. Wow, that's awesome. Dang, I wish I could go back to 21. <laughs> I know. <Can laughs> <we> restart? Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: love that. Let's go ahead and get into the second email. This one is titled, Show Me the Money. <laughs> and yeah, let's just get right into it. My name is Samantha, and I'm 28 years old. I'm writing to you because I'm having a hard time talking to my boyfriend about money. We've been dating for over three years, and I have no idea what his loan slash savings slash retirement situation is. My dad always impressed upon me growing up that finances are important and an important aspect of any relationship. While it sounds heartless, I've read countless articles about how money is often a source of a breakup, and I'm trying to avoid that with my current partner. After graduating college, I got a lowish paying job, had student loans and a car payment, and lived alone, so I budgeted everything. I put a lot of effort into getting myself to a stable financial situation, which included having a second job at one point, and I'm immensely proud of the financial progress that I've made. But I know my boyfriend is not in the same boat. Whenever I try to get an overview of his situation, he shuts down the conversation. His secrecy makes me worry that his debt is out of control and his savings are minimal, which to be clear, would not make me want to break up with him. I just want to be able to help him slash us. He knows that before we get married, I want a detailed overview of his finances. But since we're in no rush to get married, I feel like we're wasting the years we have before that happens when we could have a plan and reduce our debt together right now. I make more money than him. I bought a house before we started dating. And because of this, I get the sense that every time I bring the subject up, he views me as, um, judging him. And I have had a $0 balance in my savings before I was clueless about investing. I've had low credit scores, but that was all before I met him. So right now it feels like probably to him, he's viewing me as being judgmental. Please, please give me some advice on how to have an open and honest conversation with my boyfriend about money without making him feel less than. Thank you so much for reading this, Samantha. Ugh, wow. It's a good one. Yeah.
2: Samantha, thank you for writing. What a, what a common uh, question that I get, mm. and what a difficult one. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, what struck me was how proud she is of her own financial journey. Mm-hmm. That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. To,
2: to take, to take a second job to aggressively pay off debt, what an accomplishment. yeah ah, I, I love that. and then the corresponding discomfort with the fact that her boyfriend probably is not in a great financial situation, but worse, he won't actually talk about it.: Yeah. All right, so let's discuss because you know as I speak to these couples, some, who, some of whom are dating, uh, some of whom have been married for like 25 years on my podcast, you start to see a lot of patterns Mhm. First of all, I have no problem if a partner earns less. That's, that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. In some relationships, one person is in an industry that pays less. One person made certain decisions, bad luck, whatever. Um, I have no problem if people have slightly different perspectives on money. You know, it's, ah, I want to spend more on this. I don't want to spend more on that. Fine. I have a serious problem if a partner is not even willing to talk about it. Yeah, That is a red flag. Yeah. So what I would suggest, I'm not going to come in here and say, like, break up tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) But I do want to give some tools and some specific word for word scripts that you can use, Samantha, to bring this up with your boyfriend. Um, She's very savvy to the fact that he probably feels judged, Mm -hmm. even though she may have given him no reason to. In a relationship, the lower earner often has very peculiar feelings about money. For example, the lower earner will become obsessed with the C word, contribution. Mm. I want to make sure I'm contributing enough. I want to make sure that I'm seen as contributing. I'm not trying to take all, they they become obsessed with it. And by the way, it happens regardless of gender. Mm -hmm. I've spoken to, I have one episode, I think it's 66 on my podcast where um, uh, it it was a heterosexual relationship. She earns $200,000 per month, per month. Per month. He earns $2,000 per month. Wow. And so the dynamic is absolutely fascinating. Mm-hmm. And you can see that often it's not gender, although there are gender roles in money. It's also the higher earner, uh, socioeconomic class, et cetera. Samantha, here's what I propose you do. Uh, I would sit down, make it like a, a serious conversation where you you say, look, hey, I want to set some time aside to really talk about something I've been thinking about. Right? Don't do it while you're both doing the dishes or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and you say, look, I, I, I wanna talk about something that I've been thinking about for a while. And um, you know, when it comes to money, I used to be in a lot of debt. I had, I had credit card debt, et cetera, I had student loans. And I know for me, my journey was really tough. I wasn't sure what to do. Then I tried to figure it out, it took me a while. I paid off my debt. And right now I'm really proud of where I am, mm. but I know what that was like. For me, I love you. And it's important for me to understand where we are going together as a couple and also financially. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanna do is to set the space for us to both talk about our finances. The good, the bad, what we know we don't. I don't know everything. I have a lot to learn. I'm still trying to work on what my asset allocation is. Mm -hmm. If I read this book, et cetera, et cetera. Would you be comfortable talking about it? Because this is something that's important to me and it's a key part of us. Pause.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: His response is going to tell you a lot, because you've done it, Samantha. If you say something like that, adapt it for your needs. It's a really gentle way. You're not even asking him for any numbers. Mm-hmm. You're just saying, "Can we talk about it?"
0: Mm-hmm. And as a team, like it's you're you're bringing yourself alongside. You're not saying like I'm sitting here while you present your case and then yeah. I'll make my finding. It's very much like hey, like us together, like let's learn together, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is,
2: and Samantha, I think she made a mention of her her parents taught her that money is important. Money
0: is important in a
2: relationship. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who feel guilty about bringing it up like they're gonna be seen in a particular way. I'm like, do you understand the implications of money? It determines where you live. It determines what you eat. If you have children, it determines where they go to school, what type of activities. It even determines part of who you are. Yeah. So of course you have to take it seriously. So don't say that, Samantha, that can <laughs> yeah. be a little aggressive. <laughs> but his response, if he goes something like, uh, you know what, I, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now but I can see what you're saying and I'd love to talk about this like in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. That's an A plus response, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fantastic. I would be like gold. If he says um, basically anything else, let me give you a couple examples. <laughs> this is a big red flag. If he goes, um, you're always obsessed with money. Mm. That's a really bad sign, turning yeah. it back on you. If he says, well, why do you feel like I have to reveal everything to you? Why does it feel like I'm always on the defense? That's a bad sign. Mm-hmm. Often people don't even know what they're saying. They're basically trying to squirm out of something yep. that makes them uncomfortable. Yep. If he's not even willing to entertain the conversation, to me, that's, it's not a good sign.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, 100% agree, Samantha. Hope that was helpful. I love I love the way you worded it. I love how vulnerable you were. So many people have been in that situation before. Yeah. Um and so I know a lot of listeners right
0: now are are taking notes hopefully right along with you. Um, yeah, and I think too like I mean what's so cool is she's not looking at it as like something he needs to solve but something she wants to help with. And mm-hmm. I think that's something like With money, because there is so much judgment and shame that you feel Mm -hmm. sometimes, it's easy to create this wall and not let anybody near... Like, if anybody ever asked me, oh, how much do you make a month? Or even how much do you pay for rent? How -hmm. much was that Lego set? Mm -hmm. I, I clam up because... There's been so many times where I've said how much I spent on a Lego set. And then everyone's like, are you kidding me? That's yeah. ridiculous. That's like two car payments. I, that's this, I that's, hate that. Yeah. And so it's there's so much of this, especially someone who's struggled with money in the past. Because I've, oh, I mean, oof. There were some times I was like finding gift cards to Chick-fil-A, like in the <laughs> couch, like anything I could to like wait till the seventh right yeah so i've i've known those struggles and 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 so i think even me like i've built up i'm very uncomfortable talking about money so if he's coming from that point i think like you had you had touched on like getting him to see this is not something i'm trying to make you justify all of what you've done i'm just saying we're going to be a partnership and I want to share with you the knowledge I've had and I would love for us to work together to like build our own empire, you know, like, let's like, let's do this now. So when we get married, like this isn't a stress we have, like we're we're building up to it, you know?
2: Yeah. Can I also share one thing I, I caught that Samantha said, which gave me a little bit of the like, uh oh, yeah, <laughs> she was like, I want to help him. And I'm like, hold on a second. <laughs> Just hold on. He incurred this debt. You're not married yet. You can guide him. Yeah. You can share yeah. your stories. You should read my book together six weeks. You can each talk about it once a week. But Samantha, you do not need to be taking over his debt.
0: No, yeah, you yeah. You do not yeah.
2: need to be making payments towards his debt. Mm-hmm. If anything, that's disempowering to him because mm-hmm. he now sees you as mommy. Yeah. yeah. Mommy's going to come in and save me and take away my debt. Ah, yeah. he's a partner. Yeah. And partners can help each other. Absolutely. When they're married of course things are a little different but right now you you can show him you can guide him you make more you own your place you should probably be paying more proportionally absolutely Mm -hmm. but you do not need to be writing checks for his debt certainly not at this
1: point
0: no yeah i totally agree with that
1: okay so we did a quick poll on instagram and we got a couple questions that we wanted to just shoot at you just like quick responses um and I want to read one of them because I think this is really interesting in perspective to marriage and Samantha's email. Um, when getting married, what is your opinion on combined or separate finances?
2: I like my favorite model is joint together. Mm-hmm. So you, you both put your money joint, but you each have a little bit separately for no questions asked spending. Mm-hmm. So if one person loves massages, another person loves miniatures. You have that money set up, it's yours, nobody can ask you anything about it. But in general, I like to see it joint. Now, that's the most basic thing. If you wanna get a little fancier, I do like to see some proportionality. If one person earns twice as much, they should probably pay more towards the joint expenses.
1: That's a good interesting. So would you consider that like a percentage? Like if if we're paying towards rent or whatever, if I were to pay um, X percent, my partner, whether they make more or less should pay the equal percentage, even if th- even making that like a different number?
2: Yeah. So it's common now that, you know, one partner earns vastly different than the other. Right. And so um, it's not really fair for the higher earner to expect the lower earner to pay 50 50. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that puts them in a really tough position, especially if the higher earner wants to live the lifestyle they want to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a much simpler solution is proportional. If you earn twice as much, you pay twice as much towards joint.
0: Yeah. Love that. Awesome. Um, The next one, uh, how, how do you help your parents in a financial spot, but also not give them all of your money? (laughs) And she's only 23.
2: This is a great question. Mm -hmm. I I would not be surprised if she's um, from a different culture. Mm -hmm. Um, This is, uh, I hear this a lot from peers and friends. Um, So this is a delicate one. I wrote a Script in chapter 9 of my book for how to talk about money with your parents The mm. the tricky parts of this are the power dynamics are inverted Yeah, so when you go to your parents and you bring this up, they're gonna still they're gonna be very uncomfortable and still want to treat you like a child Yeah, um, the, the the approach here to take is to be very gentle to ask lots of questions and to always peg it to the North Star mom dad, I love you. I want to make sure that everything is set with your money I'd love to help guide you. How do you think about money? How did you invest when you were young? Do you feel comfortable today? It's very gradual. And I always, at the end of some of these conversations, it's like declare victory and go home. You don't need to yeah, get to there. Yeah,
0: that's such a good point. Yeah, like you don't need to get it all at once. Good job, yeah. love
2: you. Talk to you next week. It can take months to get yeah. it all out, but I like to have all their finances. I did this with my parents. Get it all out on one piece of paper. Yeah. Ultimately, if you know your Money, you're gonna be able to help your parents a lot more effectively, including setting boundaries.
0: Yeah, it's the whole put your mask on before you help someone else in the airplane. And I love that you said that, because sometimes, um, and you mentioned very at the top, like you studied psychology and how you've translated that. And I think honestly, in everything, every aspect of life, if we just took time to understand people and understand how to communicate and their level of communication and whatever, We would be so much more successful in like every area. But I think even in bringing up sensitive topics, it's about watching the person and you just throw like a tiny little pebble in. And if you see defenses start to come up, if you see embarrassment, shame, things like that, learning how to back up and then build off of those just like small doses of stress instead of just like here's my whole like three paragraphs that I have memorized and I'm not even paying attention to how uncomfortable you are. So even with money that people like shy away from, it's like, you don't have to, I like that you said, you don't have to solve the whole problem in one setting. Mm-hmm. Like you can just start the conversation and come back and like build on it. Yeah, it's great, that's I love super that. super
2: savvy. I wish I had learned that in my early twenties. Yeah. I was like the bull in the China shop yeah. and and it took me a long time to realize, my goal here is not to get through my three paragraphs. That's yeah. not the point. My goal is to connect yes. with somebody. Uh-huh. And that might take 10 conversations. It might take five years. It mm-hmm. might never happen. But I gotta slow it down. And for everybody listening, if you're starting on your money journey, the single best thing you can do is to deeply understand your own money because then you become a model for
0: everyone. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And almost like stripping, because you said before too, with money problems, there's a franticness that comes up because it's like, I need something now. I need to fix this now. Um, And you get lost in the trying to look down the future. It's so stressful because you're like, what do I do now? So even that of like, okay, take a second Mm-hmm. Build on it, like do your research, build a foundation, and then you can like move from there. But I think that's great, because I think a lot of people resonate with that, of like, okay, wait, like I just need to take a breath first and yeah. then then do the work and kind of see it's a it's a process. Yeah, 100%. Totally.
1: Um, let's move into another question. How do I feel okay with taking out debt to invest in the future, um, i.e. grad school, or any kind of schooling? Well,
2: that's a good and interesting question. Um, If it's for grad school, uh, most people do this without doing any basic amount of research. So I went to grad school. Um, I know a lot of people have done it, done it really well. I also know a lot of other people who are in crippling amounts of debt, like the couple on my podcast with $800,000 of student Mm -hmm. loans. So um, you should be able to answer a few questions. How much am I going to pay by the end of grad school? What are my monthly payments going to be? What is the expected income that other people who have gone through this program are going to make? If you're taking out money to get an MD, you're probably gonna make money, it's fine. If you're taking out money for grad school in computer science, yeah, you're probably gonna make money, it's probably fine. Uh, The single worst people in worst financial situations I talked to, can you guess the occupation?
0: I'm gonna say, well, I am one, so I'm gonna (laughs) guess educator.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Wait, are you you're like podcaster and Yeah. No, I <laughs> okay. mean
0: education is is a hard field. Yeah. That's so a big one. I would one. say maybe but one. It's not
2: the top one. Think of huge debt. Huge.
0: Huge debt. I'll tell you. <sighs> yeah, yeah, I'm
2: Number 1, veterinarians. Interesting. Uh, they pay medical school level debt but they make way less. Second, physical therapists. Okay? I've had both on my show. So If you are going into this, as they told me, like we had no idea how much we'd pay. We just went because everybody says grad school is good. You really need to slow down, run the numbers, evaluate it, and then decide. Yeah, Um, That would be my best advice. I'm all for education. I love education. I'm a huge fan. However, you also want to be really prudent about the decisions you're making. They'll affect you for
1: decades. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And school's not for everyone. And there's jobs that don't necessarily like school might be more expensive than the career path you're planning on taking. Yeah, it's very
0: true. It's very true. Amazing. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the questions we have. I feel like I learned (laughs) going home and doing homework (laughs) so (laughs) much. So I'm super excited. Um, Go ahead and shout out all your um, I know you've mentioned the podcast a couple of times, but your podcast name, where they can find it. Um, Again, there's your Instagrams, all the bios. So if people want to learn more, where they can go to find you.
2: First thing is starting tomorrow, I have a Netflix show coming out. It's called How to Get Rich. If you're listening right now, just go into Netflix and click add reminder. Yes. Tomorrow it's going live and you'll get to see me actually working with people across the country. So cool. Single people, couples. The magic of the show is that I didn't know anything about them except their names and their finances before I have met them. Oh, so cool. you get to come along with me as a detective and try to figure out what's going on. And you'll see that money is not about sitting there in front of a spreadsheet. It's really about understanding why are we stuck? Yeah. And I think you'll be able to connect with a lot of the people so cool. on the show.
0: Uh,
2: of course, my podcast is called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And my newsletter where I share a lot of behind the scenes stuff is on my website.
0: Okay, what was your book title to
2: also, I will teach, I you, will to teach
0: rich. you to be. Rich. H- okay, okay, okay. Amazing, the board. amazing, amazing. <laughs> um, also, the most important question I'm going to ask you today: Do you like dad jokes? Yeah, I love them. Okay, <laughs> amazing. You got my- We we started off rocky with you um, questioning my Legos, but now <laughs> you've earned terran points they're very well, valuable I mean, i'm
2: mean, i kind of jealous because like you actually can look at legos i look at them and i go i don't understand what the hell is going on but see i so think me-
0: i don't i've never free built like that where someone just gives me a tub of legos and i'm oh. supposed to figure out how to build stuff all okay. mine are sets where i have instructions and it just I, it's mindless to me which so it's a little different i get that Okay. I feel
2: like I'm learning so much about Legos right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, I do love dad jokes. Okay,
0: amazing. I love well, that you love them. I curated one just for you.
2: <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Well,
0: I mean, I didn't write it. Maybe I should start writing dad Ooh, jokes. That'd be good. Okay. That'd be good. What's happening
2: right now? Next you know venture. <laughs>
0: Next venture. Um, okay. My dad is so cheap that when he dies, he's going to walk toward the light and turn it off. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that is good
0: that is good <laughs> if you if you know if you know you know like the amount of times I got yelled at called on my way to school your light is good. on in your room like <laughs> such a dad thing so good so good well Ramit thank
1: you so much for being on the podcast I learned a lot Taryn learned a yes. lot I know the audience members learned a lot we are so excited to watch the show coming out tomorrow yes April so 18th exciting. right
2: yep that's right
1: yep, April 18th everyone mark your calendars Um, And yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me. Awesome.
0: Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm.